Uh, if you would, grab your Bibles in Luke chapter 2. So we are well ahead of schedule what we normally would be doing this morning. I looked up at the clock, I thought, Andrew, it's only quarter two. And so I thought, I can still make it till noon. I think I can preach that. No, I'm just, um, who thinks I can't? I bet I'll win. Um, no, Luke chapter two, if you would. Uh, I don't plan on preaching real long, but I never do. And uh, I often still do. So uh, Luke chapter two. Probably the most familiar of the Christmas passages, uh, but we're going to read it again. And I think it's good to read it again. And you say, why? Because it reminds us truly of what happened that day, and it tells us of a great, of a great Savior that has come into the world, and uh, it's a day that ought to be celebrated. Now, uh, I, I'm with everybody else that goes, I don't believe Jesus was born on December 25th, and I have all my reasons, and I can do all the things, all right? Uh, but let's face it, it's a, good, it's a good day to honor Jesus Christ. Uh, it's a good day to remember that a Savior came into the world, and whether it was December 25th or not, uh, let's go ahead and remember a Savior came into the world. I think that's a pretty good deal. Um, you know, oftentimes, uh, let's face it, we celebrate Thanksgiving, right? Canada does it in October, we do it in November. Uh, I think any day, that's not the day all our blessings came and we ought to be thankful. Uh, but it's good that a nation stops for a moment and, Lord willing, celebrates the fact that God was good to them and they thank Him. Uh, and so I think it's good to just take a day and celebrate the fact that a Savior came into the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, whatever you do at home and whatever else you do, do it to the honor and glory of our Savior. And so that's what I would recommend. Uh, Luke chapter 2. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea onto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while, she was, uh, while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid." And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. 
And so we have the birth of Jesus Christ, and there's plenty of things in this 20, these 20 verses we just read uh, that could be covered this morning. We could talk about him being the Savior, which is Christ the Lord. We could talk about the good tidings of great joy. We could talk about uh, there's no room for him in the end. We could talk about all sorts of things in the passage, and you've heard probably plenty of messages on it, and maybe you've heard a message on what I'm going to preach on this morning, uh, but I'm going to preach on the secret of peace this morning. Uh, we start off there and, and the angels make the proclamation, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And men all over the world, you know what they want? They want men to be good and they want peace. The world proclaims that whole part, right? Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Uh, can't, can't men just be good? Can't men just be right? Can't men just have peace? Can't we do that? We've striven for, we've strived for peace for hundreds of years, literally on the planet. Maybe thousands of years, mankind has put all their effort into the idea of making peace. Why is it that it's so hard for man to find peace? Well, then there must be some sort of a secret. The cry of the world today is, well, can't we all just get along? I mean, if we could all just get along, everything would be great, wouldn't it? It's a marvelous thing when everybody can just get along. Can't you just set aside our differences and go ahead and just get along? But a world never does. And it never will. Not until they find out the secret of peace. And so this morning I'm going to preach on the secret of peace. And then we're going to go home and spend the rest of the day with our families, I think. I don't plan on being long, but here we are. Lord, I thank you for the morning and we thank you. Father, you are good to us. Your mercies endure forever. And Father, we woke up again this morning and your mercies have been renewed and we've been able to come here and be able to uh, gather together and worship and praise our Savior. And Father, I do pray that you would help us to do so, that we would give Jesus Christ all the praise and the honor and the glory. He is so worthy. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to honor him, especially today as we try to remember a day that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Lord, once again, we pray you would work in our hearts. Father, I don't know if anybody here has never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. But I pray today would be the day of salvation for them if they are here. If they are listening, I pray they would hear the call of a holy God calling to them to reason together and come and have their sins forgiven forever. Lord, once again, we pray you'd bless our day. We love you. We pray you'd come back soon in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen. Amen. First thing uh, that men look at, men, men like to start at the end. Uh, they, they like the end result. That's what they want. They want the end result, right? Everybody out here, right, we look and people cheat, right? They read the end of the book. Uh, they, want, they want that last part. They want the end game without actually playing the game. Uh, they want to win and they want to win out, but they don't want to do the steps in between. Uh, I was pretty good at math. I, I liked math in high school. I was good at it. Calculus class, I'm in there. My teacher would get mad, Brother M Mr. Monroe. He would get mad. Why? Why are you not showing any of your work in between? I said, I don't need to. I said, and the answer right? He said, yeah, why isn't the work there? I said, because it was all in my head. Why do I have to put it all down? Well, I want to see the work. I want to know if you know how to get where you're going. I said, well, the answer's right. Doesn't that mean I got to the right spot? But he goes, no, I need to see the work. I need to see the work. You know, what, you know what the world wants? The world wants men to be good. Goodwill toward men. That's what they want. They want people just to be good to each other. But the problem is mankind isn't very good at that. 
Mankind, ultimately, they have no idea how mankind could be good to one another because man is not good. In fact, he is selfish and self-centered. Now, today we're going to celebrate and you're going to go home and you're going to give gifts to each other. And by the way, I'm working on a message of why celebrate Christmas. So that might be next year. All right. So you'll forget this by next year. Uh, But the truth is there are celebrations in the Bible honoring God where people give to each other. Well, then that's a biblical principle. Well, why do you give gifts? It's Jesus' birthday that you're celebrating. Why do you give it to somebody else? Because it's the spirit of why you give. And it's found throughout the Old Testament as, as, a, as, a, as a picture to God being gracious to someone and they give of their bounty to somebody else. And you get, you get that idea throughout the scriptures. Uh, but mankind, you know what they do? They go ahead and uh, what are they going to do? Well, I'm going to outdo you on what you give me. Well, I'm, I'm going to give better gifts than anybody else. I'm going to win. You say, who's that about? That's about me. That's still self-centered. It's self-serving. Mankind, well, why can't we just be good? Because every time you do good, you're too busy doing good so that you can look good. Well, if I do good, everything will be okay. No, you did good because you wanted to look good to everybody else. But the truth is, you're not that good. We pull up. The only time anybody's ever good to each other while you're driving is at a four-way stop. I think half of that is due to confusion. Because half the people have no idea what the rule is when they pull up to the stop sign. They're looking around like... Am I supposed to go? Are they supposed to go? Who's supposed to go? Well, I'll just let them go. I'll wave them along because that makes me look like I'm nice. No, you should know the rules and just go when you're supposed to go. It makes it better for everybody. But instead, they don't know. And they go, well, I'll just be polite and I'll just wave you. No, you're not being polite. You're being a jerk. That's what you're doing. You're ruining the system. The system works. Use the system. And they go, no, no, I'm being good. No, you're not being good. You're not really being all that good. Mankind is not good. The Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You say, what's the problem? The problem is you and I are men. We're mankind. And humanity is not good. We go ahead and even when we want to do something good, it's almost always self-driven motives so that we can look better. So we can, well, you know, they're really great to me, and so I want to be nice to them, so I'm going to give them something so that they know that I know that they know that I know that they're great. Well, but, and mankind constantly is, what can I do so that I can look good? They want the end result of being good, but mankind's not good. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says, man in his best state is altogether vanity. The Bible says that all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. No matter how good we pretend that we are, we're not good. Inside, we're doing it with selfish, unloving, unamazing, outside of self-love and self-gratification. You and I are not very good at giving and doing for somebody else. Not by ourselves. Not the way mankind is normally. In fact, Jesus Christ is there and uh, that rich young ruler comes up and says, Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And the Lord says, Why callest thou me good? There's none good save one. That's God. 
God's the only one who's ever good. Outside of God, there's nobody good. You go, yeah, but you don't know. That person's really nice. Yeah, but they've sinned and come short of the glory of God. They're not good. Well, yeah, but they're really nice people. Yeah, but they're still sinners. You see, just because they look good on the outside doesn't mean that you're good on the inside. We dress it up, and uh, I did this to my sister one year. Anybody who knows Susan knows her fondness of feet. Non-existent. Uh, she hates feet. She hates anything to do with feet, uh, anything at all. It's fantastic. All right. So you say, "What do you do?" Well, as a brother, you exploit such weaknesses. Uh, that's what you do. And so Martin and I, uh, well, I think it was the first year we went to the Outer Banks for a vacation. Martin and I go, and uh, we're we're at the house. It's late the first night. Uh, I got to run back down to the truck, so I step out the sliding glass doors off of the bedroom that I have at the house and I, that we were renting, and I step out, and, there, and I go down, I come back up, and there's these weird pair of, like, they weren't really Crocs. They were, like, off-brand Crocs. I don't know. They were really weird, sandily gross things, and they were well-used. You could tell they were well-used. I was a little worried somebody had snuck into the house when I went down to the truck, so we checked out, you know, made sure we weren't going to die or something in the night. And then I come back, and I decide before we leave, I'm just going to toss those in the bed of the truck. You say, why would you do that? So that I can wrap them up at Christmas. <laughs> and give them to my sister. <laughs> That's terrible. No, it's wonderful. That's what it is. It's wonderful. And so I wrapped this thing up, and it looks nice. I put it in a box. I wrapped it. I wrapped it okay. I mean... I don't wrap the greatest, but I, it wasn't terrible. It looked pretty good on the outside. It looked like any of the other gifts she could have gotten from me. And it looked great. And so she goes to open it, and then she finds out that I just gave her used shoes from a stranger. <laughs> Looks good on the outside. It wasn't so good on the inside. That's man. Stinky. Gross. You don't want to touch it. <laughs> That's why it rode in the bed of the truck. Amen. That's mankind. They're sinful and they're exceeding sinful. And they're not good. And they may dress it up on the outside and they may look sharp on the outside and look like they're supposed to be just exactly what you think they ought to be. And inside, they've already been off doing whatever else they want to do. Mankind is not good. They want to be good. They want everybody else to be good to them. And why can't everybody be good? And why can't we just get along? But the truth is because mankind is evil. Mankind is not good. And so you can't have goodwill toward men. Not only that, he wants peace on earth. He wants peace on earth with men who can't be good. <laughs> well, how in the world do you get that? You realize that the, the world today... The world today would love it if we could just, can't we just get rid of all conflicts and all wars? World War II, the war to end all wars. Let's set up the United Nations. 1945, the United Nations go in. Do you realize that since 1945, since 1945, it is said that there have been 26 days with no conflict. That's what they say. But for some reason, the years of the overlaps all 
disagree with what they want to say. They can't even get 26 days of peace. You know what the United Nations has brought in? War just like everybody else. There is no peace. There hasn't been a day on this planet since the United Nations went into effect that I have found that there was no conflict on the face of the earth. How are they doing? We're going to usher in peace, right? We're going, to put, we're, going to put up, we're going to put up scripture over the top of our building. We're going to say that they're going to beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. And we're going to go ahead and we're going to grab and we're going to get peace because mankind is amazing. Peace on earth. Mankind can't be good because they can't have peace. They don't know how to have peace. Over and over and over again, it is said that there is possibly 10,624 battles in history over the last 4,500 years. I ain't got numbers low, but I'll take it because that's still crazy. <laughs> 10,462 battles in the last 4,500 years. You know what mankind's really good at? Not having peace. Why don't we have peace? Because man wants what it wants. What is, what is war fought over? It's fought over your stuff. That's what it's fought over. It's fought over all of the things. I want land. I want prominence. I want power. I want... Man is not good, so man can't get peace because everybody wants what they want. They can't be content with such things as you have. Instead, it is what can I fight to obtain? What can I fight and get? And if I can fight and get it, then it ought to be mine, and so I'm going to take it. You know, it's strange. Battles get fought not just for, not just for the idea of gaining land, but just to show that you're strong enough to. Just ego. Just straight ego. Why can't you just stop? You've conquered. Well, yeah, but I want the world. Mankind, constant of what? What can I get? Give me, give me, give me. Let me take, let me fight, let me obtain, let me war, let me gain. And mankind is constantly the idea of, guess what? I want, I want peace by making you submit to me. Isn't that how we got peace in World War II? How, how, do we get, how do we get Japan to surrender? You drop a couple large bombs that are going to kill everybody, and you go, don't make me drop another one. And they go, yes, sir, we'll surrender. How do you get people to surrender in war? You put them down and show humility. Show them what humility is. That's the way you gain a victory. You gain a victory by making it so they understand that you win. But in order to do so, you have to have no peace before that. Because otherwise, only by pride cometh contention. So why must there be humility before you get peace? Because you have to figure out who's going to win. You have to resign to the fact that somebody else is greater than you. But man doesn't want to do that. 
Man's full concept is I am amazing and I am strong enough and I'm a self-made man and I have the smarts and I have the ability and I have the strength and I have the power and I have my armies that are going to follow me because I am an amazing leader and we're going to go in and we're going to trounce them. What's sad is that the world can't even figure out that God is greater than them by the time we get done with all of time. They can't figure out that God sitting upon a throne in Jerusalem is going to be greater than them. And you expect them to figure out right now that God is greater than them? And what's the problem? The problem is peace, peace when there is no peace. Well, let's just get peace. We can make it happen. No, man isn't good. You can't get peace. They're going backwards. You see, mankind's view of this passage is, if we can be good, we can gain peace. How we doing? <laughs> I'll tell you this, mankind's not very good, so they don't have peace. They look at God, and you know what they say? They say, we don't need you, we can make peace by ourselves. That's a religious man in this world, too. The religious man says, I'm good, I don't need God, I'm going to do all these things, and it's going to be great, and I'm going to have it, and it's just going to be so wonderful. And when I get in front of God, I'm going to show him what great things I have done, and God's got to let me into heaven. And they don't realize they don't have peace because they're not good. Mankind is not good. So man can't get peace by himself. Look back down here at verse number 14. Luke chapter 2. I'm already through two points. Man, we are out of schedule today. It's good. It's good. Luke chapter 2, look what he says. The angels, the angels' proclamation. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. You put that around backwards, you know what you get? You get man's paradigm. If we can be good, we can have peace. If you flip it back around, you get God's. Glory to God in the highest. Without that step, you and I will never have peace. A world will never have peace. Humanity will be left in exactly the same state that they are in now. They will not gain, they will not grow, they will not prosper, they will not have more peace. They'll have just as much conflict as ever. They'll have just as much fight as ever. They'll keep growing in their, in their uh, pride, in their anguish, in their misery. They'll keep growing in all those things. They won't have joy, they won't have peace, they won't have righteousness. Instead, what they will be stuck with is the same thing they've been stuck with for the last 6,000 years. And it's fight and struggle to obtain something that they cannot attain by themselves. Man thinks that they can make people good and make them behave so that we can then have peace, and they can't get any of it. Because you can't make men good. How many of you have kids? Right? Can you make them behave? I mean... I mean <laughs> Uriah is great right up till he's not <laughs> everybody's like oh he's so smiling he's so happy he must always be great I go home with him 
You know what I found? I found he has the same temper that I do, which is awful. You tell him no, he gets mad, he hits things. I want to do what I want to. You know what he's figuring out? Real slowly, but he's figuring out there's somebody superior. There's somebody who has more power and more authority. And when we say no, it does not matter if he stomps his foot or hits something. No is still no and you don't win. Say, what are you waiting for? For him to realize that he needs to submit to the authority. What's the world's problem? They won't submit to an authority. And the authority that is there is the God of the universe. And they refuse to submit to to the authority. Look over at Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, and away we go. You know the spot, but you get to verse number 20. And Romans chapter 1, and I won't read the whole rest of the chapter, although I could. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that, so they, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, verse 21, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise. They became fools and changing the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves and so on. Uh, He goes down and the truth is, you know what mankind has done? They said, I'm not going to glorify God. I'm not going to glorify him and who he is. And I'm not going to be thankful to him for giving me life and breath and everything else that I have. And so instead, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. I'm going to go ahead and serve whatever it is that I want to serve so that I can try and gain. And if we can just be good, we can bring in peace without God. And God says, you can't bring in peace ever without me. You don't want to glorify God, you know what you'll be left with? You'll be left with a world that doesn't know if a boy is a boy and a girl is a girl. You talk about a reprobate mind. They'll go to vile affections. They'll go ahead and they won't be able to figure out what is clean and what's unclean and what's profane and what's holy. They can't figure it out in the passage. They can't figure out what's good and what's right and they can't figure out what's wrong and what's wicked. They can't figure it out. They look at the two and they go, well, why can't we all just get along and live in peace? Because it's not good. (laughs) Because you have not gone to give God glory, therefore you don't have peace. And so you can't have everybody be happy and on the same page and everything be good. Because they're defiling what God has done. And they find out in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 7, For we won't turn there, but if you want to turn, you can. Romans 8, 7, that the carnal mind, that fleshly mind, that worldly mind, you know what it is? It's enmity with God. It becomes God's enemy. It's in stark contrast to Him. And it goes against everything that God is standing for. It goes against everything that God wants. It goes against everything that God would be pleased with. And it gives Him zero glory. And the world goes, but we're going to do it our way. Or says, You don't have peace with me, which means you have no peace. Mankind doesn't have peace with God, not without a Savior that came into the world. 
in Isaiah chapter 48 and verse 22 and chapter 57 and verse 21. He says it twice. The Lord says, there is no peace, no peace, saith my God to the wicked. No peace. Mankind is wicked and they deserve no peace. They don't deserve to be at rest. They don't deserve to have comfort. Because they've gone against a holy God. They don't glorify Him as God. They're not thankful to Him. They haven't given Him any glory. But you know what they want? Why can't we all just be good? Because you have no capability to be good in yourself. You're too busy making all the mistakes that you've always made. What amazes me is in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse number 18, the Lord looks at the world and He says, Come. Let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow, and though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. God looks at the world, and you know what he says? Uh, I'd like to have a peace summit. We can have some peace talks, and we can really get some things done. Say, so what does he want at that peace talk? You to realize that he's God and he's one? He's the victor. He's the one with all the power and all the cards and just fear him that is, that is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. That's who you're supposed to be afraid of. He's the one who has all the power to go ahead and toss you in a lake of fire for all of eternity whenever he feels like it. And the answer is that he is God and you ought to submit. Say, so how do you get peace? You get peace by submitting to the one who has all the power. How do you know that? That's how the world works. You get peace when you break somebody else's will and let them know you are going the wrong way and you are going to lose. And it is either you are going to die physically or you are going to surrender to me. That's warfare. That's conflict. The angel's proclamation, the world would look around today and say that proclamation is so false. We didn't get peace. We didn't get, we didn't get good men having good tidings of great joy. This isn't good. We got left with the same mess we were in before he showed up. Only because they're unwilling to give him glory. You say, well then, how does a world get peace? A world doesn't get peace right now, but an individual does. Too many people in this world toil along and they don't have peace. They don't get rest. They feel like it's all on them and they struggle and they toil and they hope that they can't lose whatever it is God could give. They hope that, well, maybe if I could just appease a God that is unappeasable. If maybe I could just figure out a way if maybe I could be good, I could have peace. And God says, no. I brought you the solution for peace. In Luke chapter 2, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, shows up. The Savior has arrived. Say, so what's he going to do? He's going to bring peace if you'd be willing to accept him as your Savior. If you'd be willing to glorify Him as God and know that God became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
But mankind will never have peace, nor will they have goodwill until they realize that God is the only one who can give them peace because ultimately he is the one they're in conflict with. You may look around and go, well, my family, I'm in conflict with them. They annoy me. They're terrible. It's awful. Merry Christmas. I'll spend all day with my family, be mad by the end of the day, go home and finally get some peace. You may look around and go, no, I'd say at workplace, I get so mad and if I could just get a new job, I'll be. No, because you'll still be around people. And until you and God have peace, there's no hope with you and man. You know what amazes me? He says, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Why is it that your peace is so soon shaken? Maybe because you're not at peace with the one who gave you his word. The Bible makes it very plain that you can have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. Too many people struggle under the burden of their sin that they have no reason to struggle under. The Bible says that Jesus Christ said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He wants to give rest. The Bible says he came to seek and to save that which was lost. That was his job. When Jesus Christ came to that little baby, that little baby showed up in a manger in Bethlehem that day. He came to be the Savior of an entire world if they would be willing to accept Him. Maybe you today, you've never done that. I'm talking about peace and you're going, I don't have peace with God. I don't know what that is. <laughs> what do you mean my sins can be forgiven forever? What do you mean I can be in heaven forever and guaranteed? The Bible says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. The Bible makes it plain that Jesus Christ was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him with his stripes were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray and we've turned everyone to his own way, but the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus took the burden of all of our sin. He took all of our mistakes, all the times we aren't good. <laughs> the Bible says, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. We don't do good, you know what it is? It's sin. And how often we just don't do good. And it's sin after sin after sin after sin. And Jesus Christ came and he said, I came to set the captives free. And you're holding with the cords of your sins. And you're trapped in prison and you're going to spend eternity in a lake of fire because you refuse to humbly admit that God is greater. That God is holy and you're not holy. That Jesus Christ came to save your soul for all of eternity and he gave his life to pay the debt of your sins. You refuse to humble yourself and admit that you can't get to heaven without him. And that Jesus Christ is the only means of salvation. And that you would trust him alone. That he died for your sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That God Almighty would give his own son the gift of eternal life. He would, he would supply for you to pay your debt. To make it so you could have peace with God forever.
to have your sins forgiven forever. God's a reasonable God. That's why he said, come, let us reason together. Your sins are scarlet, but I can make them white as snow. God goes, I, I've got a peace treaty. The peace treaty is, I sent my son to die in your place so you could have eternal life if you'd accept him. The Bible says that if thou, that's you, shall confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Amen. Believing and trusting that Jesus died for you. Maybe you've never done that this morning. In a moment, we're going to have an invitation. And we're going to go ahead and we're going to stand here in just a moment. And we're going to go ahead and we're going to sing a little bit. Maybe some Christians are going to come to the altar because they realize that the peace that they've had seems to be waning because they haven't stayed in good fellowship with their God. They've let some things get in between them. They haven't lost their salvation, but they've lost some peace in this life. Because they've let some other things get in the way and they've let some cares and the problems of this world, they, they quit casting all their care upon him. Maybe they need to come and go, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I thought I could have peace without you. My fellowship's kind of waned. I haven't been in my Bible the way I ought to be. I haven't been praying the way I ought to be. I haven't been fellowship with the brethren the way I ought to be. I haven't been good to my family. I haven't been a very good Christian. Because I haven't been staying with the Prince of Peace. I let some fellowship get, get broken there. And that can be fixed just like that as well. If they'd come, if the Christian would be able to submit and humbly say, Lord, I know I've been at odds with you because I haven't been doing what you asked me to do. Let's go ahead and stand. You cannot have peace without God. And you won't get God's peace without giving Him glory. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Man wants that last result. They want peace. They want good, goodwill. They want everything to be great. But without God, you're, ne you're never going to get it. We're going to start to sing in a moment. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, I ask you to come and get my attention I'll be staying up here I'll be waiting maybe you want somebody just to open a Bible and show you from the Bible now what I said and I know I only said a few things I didn't cover everything but there's a way to have your sins forgiven forever there's a way to know heaven's your home forever if you'd be willing to come we'd open a Bible and show you out of the Bible how you can know that your sins are forgiven forever Take the time to come. Take a moment and ask Jesus to be your Savior. Father, I pray that you would bless the morning. I can think of no greater gift to give Jesus Christ on his birthday that we're celebrating. The day we celebrate, I can think of no greater gift than for someone to say, Father, I need a Savior. I can think of no greater gift than someone to coming to the Savior or restoring their fellowship with God that wants so desperately to have them. And once again, we pray you would bless our day. We love you. We pray you'd come back in Jesus' name. Amen.